Before we start this episode, I thought I'd tell you that I've got a new book out. Yes, another one. This one is to help coaches supercharge their coaching capability through reflective journaling. Coaching Journal, a guide and journal, walks you through the process by, well, providing you with a guide and some structured reflective models. So pop over to Amazon and get this quick, practical and insightful book today to start your journey towards a more successful professional practice. What would you put in your backpack if you had a new coaching engagement but could only take a limited number of items? Each week, The Coach's Backpack looks at the multifaceted world of coaching and asks a new guest to tell us what they would take with them and why. This week, we are taking a peek inside the backpack of Jez Hunt. Welcome, Jez. Hello. Thank you for inviting me. Thank you for coming on the show. So the first question is, how would you describe what you do in under 20 words? I facilitate change in belief systems so that you can grow the life and business you dream of with confidence. Oh, thank you very much. Okay, well, we shall, uh, we shall find out more about that as we go through this, uh, your challenge. So your challenge is that you've been asked to coach a new client, but are limited to what you can take with you. So you have your essentials, your clothes, your toothbrush, hiking boots and cagoule, as I know you're an avid rambler. And in addition to those, you can take one book, one tool, technique, concept, method, approach, framework, whatever you want to call it, one other item of your choice, and a person from the past or the present to accompany you. So, Jez, in any order that you want to choose, what would you take with you and why? This was actually more difficult than I thought it was going to be. There are so many books that have had an impact on my life and my career that I've used uh, or recommended to clients but the one I've settled on is actually something I only came across last year but it's a book called I Heart Me by Dr David Hamilton David R Hamilton it's about learning to accept and love yourself it's a looking at different aspects of why we as people tend to look outside of ourselves rather than looking in and looking in is absolutely where we need to be so it's just a very good book I'm now giving it to my clients as part of uh, when they start with me it's it's something I now give away as a uh, part of the start I just believe that you know for the for me this book helps people actually just take that look in the mirror and but it's done in such a way that it there's the sort of like explanation and then there's techniques there's there's suggestions of of things that people can do to actually overcome that problem or look at that problem so some of it might be journaling some of it might be taking a bit more of an in-depth look some of it might be visualization based but it's just a a good all-round learn to love yourself because if you love yourself and get yourself in the right place you're in the better place to help others or be around others or or be with others does it come from a position of people needing to kind of fix themselves or does it come from a point of you're great now and you're improving yourself well how does he how does he view his readers i read it more as a you're awesome now as you are you might not feel that but you are and these are some of the challenges you may be feeling or might be coming up for you and this is how you can help yourself to overcome that possibly if you put the work in I don't take it as a actually you're in a really crap place this might help you it's this is all about you feeling awesome and accepting who you are now 
and that you're actually a, a, an awesome person at the moment, you can make things better by dealing with tackling the things that are holding you back. Another one for the book list. Absolutely. Definitely worth reading. Thank you, Jez. Okay. Uh, where are we going next then? I'm going to go with person next. Again, a bit of a challenge because there's so many people I'd like to talk to and learn from. But the one I've gone for in this case is Mel Robbins. She's an American coach. She's also had her own struggles. No, she's got various books out, but Kick-Ass is one of the ones that she has. She came up with the five second rule, which is where Kick-Ass started and the coaching that she's doing now. And it was, it was her own sort of spiral into negativity, spiral into relationship problems, drinking problems, and then waking up one day and, and instead of like lying in bed when the alarm went off and ignoring it, she just basically said, come on, get yourself out of bed. This is ridiculous. Five, four, three, two, one, just get on with it. And that was where the concept came from. But if you ever get a chance to listen to her, she's done TED Talks and all sorts. She is just, an, I would class it as a, so a no-nonsense approach. You know, she'll swear, she'll just say it as it is or as she sees it, but not in a detrimental or degrading way absolutely from the heart completely but she's so down to earth I love people particularly in this sort of environment when I'm learning people who are direct and actually say what they believe and what they think but from a place of love not from a place of power or I'm better than you because I know this and I think for many years because I struggled to say what I believed and what I felt it's something that appeals to me because it's something I never had I, I can now I absolutely can say what I want without fear of oh I might upset that person because that's not my responsibility but again as long as I'm doing it from a place of love and I'm doing it in the right intention then I feel completely comfortable with saying whatever I want to feel and she just comes across like that and I've listened to various audio books and TED talks and stuff with her and she's just inspiring and I would just love to sit on a you know, chewing, uh, shooting the breeze or whatever the phrase is, chewing the cud with her between coaching sessions or whatever with this with this new client of mine. Thank you. And I'm glad you clarified the five second rule, because a load of students out there were probably thinking that she made up the rule about food on the floor and how long you had oh, before yeah. it was not unacceptable to eat. <laughs> well, maybe that's where it came from, but that's not my understanding. So, yeah. <laughs> OK, so we've got your book and your person. So now you've got uh, your tool, technique, concept, framework, et cetera, and the other item of your choice. Okay, well, I'm going to go with the technique next, in my case, tool stroke technique. And I'm choosing timeline therapy, which was part of my master practitioner, well, my journey to master practitioner in NLP. Timeline therapy is about journeying along a timeline. Uh, it's sort of the clues in the name, really. So it's about going back into the past or sometimes into the future along somebody's timeline a client's timeline and it can be used to isolate or get to the origin of a particular of someone taking on a belief we're working with the unconscious mind so it's kind of a bit like trance stroke light hypnosis it's not hypnosis in the true sense of putting someone completely under but it's done in a trance state so we go into low beta in terms of brain waves and stuff and it's looking at then allowing the unconscious mind to release the emotion of the event but um, keep the learning from the event so every event we have there's a lesson i believe there's a lesson to be learned and it's it's one of the core things within nlp that everything has a meaning there is a reason for it why we shut down why we blank things out 
because we're not able to process it at that time. So it's a protection mechanism. And this allows us to get to the root cause of problems or where things have originated or where they're building up from and actually release that. So the learning's retained. You don't lose anything in terms of lesson, but you're not hanging on to that emotion. You're not hanging on to the stuff which keeps triggering for you and keeps taking you back into that situation in the future. So for example, I've had timeline therapy done on me and I've done it with clients where we've gone back to periods of childhood where I think one client particularly struggled in an abusive relationship. And when we went back and did some timeline work, it was because she, when she was a very young child, she had basically grown up with her parents arguing. And then her dad left when she was about four. And then the mum had a good relationship after that in a few years later. But in my client's mind, it was all, it, there, was, there was something anchored there in her past that to have a relationship, it was going to be arguments and not abuse. I don't mean abuse. It wasn't abuse, abuse, but just arguments and negativity and aggression and anger. And, and you know, at the child, at the age she was, she didn't know how to process that. She wasn't able to process it or understand it even emotionally. So basically bottled it all up and using timeline therapy, we released all of that and it improved the relationship she has with her current partner, uh, it improved the relationship with her children, just all around. It changed the way she could deal with stuff. And it wasn't even stuff she realized was holding her back until we started coaching. And it was like, okay, let's just explore this and let's do some timeline. It can also be used, timeline therapy can also be used going into the future to set goals in a timeline in the future. So we can get quite specific in um the scent using the senses and really really living the feelings of achieving a goal and then setting it along the timeline in the future and again there's a technique and not just well with my experience but with the thousands and thousands of nlp practitioners out there that use this it's proven to be more successful at the people achieving their goals than if you just use say smart goals or and i'm not saying smart goals are wrong i mean that we use smart goals as part of what we're doing but it's that extra bit on top of that that means that, I mean, clients actually hitting goals either before or by the time they've set, the achievement rate is extremely high. So timeline therapy is a very flexible tool and I use it all the time. So that's the tool I would take. I'd like to know more about the awareness part. Didn't you said something along the lines of she didn't know it was holding her back? Was she aware of? The memories or was it completely out of her mind that of the arguments from when she was a child sometimes they are sometimes it's something that happened that we've blanked out so there's parts of my childhood that i i was bullied a lot from the age of sort of six when i went to school pretty much through a lot of my life um and i wasn't aware of some of those instances and still i started tackling my issues around being bullied and the beliefs that I created because of that and there are, there are events that are coming up even even in the last few years that I was like oh my god I clearly remember it now but for 40 odd years I didn't remember it at all so in her case it was no she wasn't aware that that was what the problem was or that was the root of the problem it was in her behavior 
with her current partner and children and the struggles that she's had in her life over the last sort of 20 odd years with relationships on and off that it was the the repeating patterns were like okay so let's just look at where this originated and it was by doing the time like because we're bypassing the conscious mind because we're going into trance the unconscious mind takes you straight there so it's like well this is what the problem is but you've blocked it out because it was traumatic for you so it's a way of um getting to the root of a problem but we may not even be aware that that's actually the root the other thing just to say is the way the unconscious mind works is in story and metaphor so you might see an event when we go on a timeline journey that is how your mind is interpreting it to present it to you for you to process it so if you happen to see yourself in a medieval castle um, running around with a sword it doesn't mean that that actually happened it's just that's the way your unconscious mind is choosing to show it to you in a way that it knows you will get the lesson that you need to get from it so whether the actual arguments actually happened in the way that she remembered them during the process whether that was real or not doesn't matter that's how she took it that's how her unconscious mind has stored it and that's how she dealt with it so that's what's important interesting so it's about the the story that we've got in our head yes absolutely so my other item my final thing i would take a pendulum with me so sometimes known as a dowser uh, in my case, it's a rose quartz crystal sort of teardrop shape on a, on a chain and use it to get yes, no answers for things. So I'm quite spiritual in my beliefs and, and how I believe that, you know, well, what I believe, what, why we're here and that we have a purpose, etc. And I am very in tune, I believe, with my intuition and my higher self and where I want to take myself and sort of accessing where I want to go when I need to make decisions. And the dowser works, if we're going to look at it scientifically, my understanding is that it works with micro movements of the fingertips or however you're holding it, thumb and finger. Um, so it's a bit like muscle testing. I don't know if you ever experienced muscle testing, but where you're perhaps being tested for, well, it's used a lot for um, testing for intolerances, for example. And there's various ways you can do it by holding an arm out straight and then you put pressure on the arm. And so someone puts pressure from your arm, you're pushing back up and then you can ask a question, yes or no. And quite often the muscle will weaken or, or stay strong, depending on what the answer is. So it's a very similar thing, but it's actually a visual thing you can do on your own where the pendulum swings. And it will, it will typically swing one way for yes, one way for no. And if you if you test it and keep doing it, then you know that it's working. You ask it questions that you know the answer to, yes, no, to check it. But then you can just ask whatever you want, as long as it's a yes, no answer. And, and the client just, is holding this, I'm assuming. The client can hold it. I mean, well, yeah, I mean, yeah, absolutely. You get the client to hold it or I can ask questions for the client. It doesn't matter really too much. It's actually a very easy technique to learn. And it is just a case of just sitting there holding it uh, or they can hold it just and just watch what it does. It's just a something, it's just another way of tuning into intuition. And I think that's so important because I believe we do have everything we need inside of us already, particularly when you get to adulthood. 
we have the experience we have the knowledge we just don't necessarily know that we do and we it's the beliefs and everything that holds us back that stops us from tuning into that point it's just another way of bypassing the conscious mind to delve into the unconscious mind to get the answers that we're looking for or they might not be the answer we want but it's another way of looking at that sorry just to clarify you said that the it's like a muscle movement so if i'm holding my fingers the the movement of it is based on my response because i'm holding it if you were holding it but you were asking me questions how would the item move if you if there was no physical connection between it and me <laughs> we're getting into my beliefs in spirituality and my my journey with energy healing and stuff like that as well you can get answers without a pendulum it's just another option but if i'm tuning into someone else's intuition if i'm tuned into them then i'm going to pick up their responses it's my belief so again you know this won't necessarily work for everybody um but i've had success doing it if i'm with a client or if they've got a pendulum then absolutely i would get them to hold it that would be the best option but again that also believes on where they are with their beliefs because if they don't believe it's going to work and they'll sit there and they can watch it and it doesn't move it's because they're not allowing them just and when i say micro movements it, it really is you know it's not you it's not you wiggling your fingers intentionally it's really really tiny movements of the muscles of your fingers that just allow this thing to swing and often it will swing in two completely different ways for a yes or a no so it's not like it's exactly the same with a slight difference so for example for me a yes is a spin it will actually go around in a circle whereas a no is a backwards and forwards left and right for other people it could be the reverse of that it could go around clockwise anti-clockwise it could go backwards and forwards away from them backwards and forwards across them it will be whatever it is for them but the more i've done work with this the more interesting and, and exciting it is when they're getting answers and even if even if we go into sort of um out of belief mode into scientific mode even if it's a placebo if it helps them take action that they're comfortable with i'm still happy with that i don't believe that's the case but even if that's what it is if you're helping someone get from a stuck position they're in to taking some action to move forwards that they're comfortable with then that's a positive thing have you tried doing it online or would you want to, to be in person in order to get that connection? No, I've done it online. I do everything online. All right. Um, so the one thing I really wanted to delve into a little bit, um, but I'll try and quick, keep it brief, is you said um, that you feel that what we have in, uh, what we need is inside us already. Uh, how directive are you in your coaching? Because we've had a variety of people on here and this seems to be the variation in coaching of how directive people are. I'm not directive. It is about the person and what they need. However, I suppose I'm directive in that if something comes up that the client is down to contracting at the beginning, of course, but if something comes up that the client seems to be bothering them, even if they don't know that that's what the issue is, then I will be directive in terms of I'll ask them specific questions to, to try and explore that particular thing. So they might, uh, I've had this where a client says oh i'm having problems with this I'm, I'm doubting this and we're going into talking about what they've presented 
but actually it's something else that's underlying that is obvious to me that's coming up but that may actually be linked to what they've said but or, or maybe not so i will be directive in terms of the questions i the questioning i then ask them because i want to explore that and see if that is actually what we need to be dealing with but in terms of right okay this session we're going to look at x and when next session we're going to look at y or no absolutely not it's it's down to the client and the actions they take a bit of both there are times when i try not to my aim is to allow them to come up with the actions that they're going to take there are times with clients when they are so uh, disconnected from themselves or ungrounded that they can't they can't see what action they need to take so it wouldn't be directive in case of okay what i suggest you do is this but I would do it in a questioning way. Well, okay, but how about looking at this? I really don't lead the conversation if I can avoid it, but there are times when it is necessary, I believe, that it is necessary to prompt or just give them a nudge or something. Um, particularly in business coaching, when I'm working with business coaches or coaches for business, that tends to be they expect you to be more prescriptive about what they, okay, what do I do? How do I get more clients? Or how do I generate leads? Or um, but with the personal stuff, it, I, I keep it as open as I possibly can. Marvellous. OK, well, look, your backpack is full. Uh, just before we do it up, some of the stuff in your backpack might not have been packed by you. So what is the one thing that you want to make sure is not inside this backpack? My client's stuff. So the stuff they're feeling or the stuff they're going through is not mine. And it's just making sure that I'm leaving my stuff or keeping my stuff within me and working with what the client's presenting, but not taking on their stuff. Literally not taking on their baggage. Absolutely. Yes. So <laughs> leaving their backpack behind, if you like. Yeah. Right. Okay. Good. Well, one, one final question. Where do you hope that you are or are not going for this gig? Oh, an interesting one. Yeah. Somewhere in the mountains, somewhere where there's, mountains and beautiful scenery so you know, I know parts of Tuscany or, or Swiss Alps or just something where I can enjoy the energy of being in nature and I'll be happy I mean I'm loving doing outside courses with people outside coaching with people so yeah somewhere where it's just nice and scenic and relaxed energy I've got a real hankering for for Chianti region there you just mentioned that <laughs> well thank you Jez Hunt for coming on the show if people would like to know more about you, where can they go? My website, which is www.jezhunt.com. So that's J-E-Z-H-U-N-T.com. Nice and simple. Well, thank you very much for being a guest on the podcast. No, thank you. It's been fun. And thank you for joining us on this episode of The Coach's Backpack. If you would like extra goodies such as free tools, offers, further info about our guests and maybe even an odd peek inside their actual backpack, sign up to our mailing list at thecoachesbackpack.com. And don't forget to follow the podcast too. See you next time. <laughs>